0: Good morning. It's great to be with you this morning. It's always uh, wonderful. Uh, take it as a great opportunity, a great blessing, whenever uh, I have the opportunity to to, uh, to preach here at my home church. And uh, it's great to be with you. I love Concord Baptist Church. Love uh, our pastor, our staff. Love all of you. Well, yeah, I do. And. Um, I love my Sunday school class and love the opportunity to be able to be with you this morning. Also, I love Anderson University. This has been a year of transition for me. For the past 14 years, I've been able to serve as the director of campus ministries at Anderson University. This year, I transferred over to the uh, to be a full-time faculty member and to teach as an instructor in the College of Christian Studies. And that has had an effect on my um, my ability to cheer at basketball games just since Evan brought that up I just wanted to kind of share with you um, because our basketball games are normally on Saturday afternoon and Wednesday night and the first time I knew going into this my classes are all on Tuesdays and Thursdays and I teach at from eight o'clock I teach four classes uh, straight through, have a little break for, for lunch, and then I teach uh, in the afternoon. So I have to be really careful if I go to games on, uh, on Wednesday nights that I don't go, that I'm not hoarse before, I, before my 8 o'clock class. Because I have, there have been times when I've totally lost my voice uh, after basketball games and I would come home and Darlene would say, did they win? Was it worth it? And i said, "Yeah, absolutely, yes, it was. It was worth it. But uh, I love Anderson University. I love what I get to do, uh, teaching in the classroom uh, this year, uh, teaching primarily intro to the Bible and uh, getting, uh, being able to, to take our students through um, just the, 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 uh, kind of an overview of the Bible and looking and seeing the, the fabric that flows through that and the, and the connections that happen. Uh, in the Bible and so one of those connections I want us to look at this morning I want us to spend a little bit of time looking uh, the the scripture that Chase read earlier for us out of the book of Matthew Uh, I'm going to connect that look at what uh, passage in uh, in Hebrews so I hear it's great to see you going for your Bibles go ahead and flip over to Hebrews chapter 4 Beginning with verse 14 through 16 is what we're going to be looking at, connecting it back to that, and looking at the idea that we are not alone. We are not alone. I love that. That sounds good. Very good. Hebrews chapter 4, beginning with verse 14. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that meet that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need let's pray father we thank you so much your presence here this morning thank you for your love thank you for your word thank you for the fact that you give us confidence in our confession that Jesus Christ is Lord thank you father that you give us confidence to come before you to receive mercy and grace and lord help us today to as we go through our lives from this place forward help us to be mindful of the fact that you are always with us And you understand our lives and you care for us and you are willing to bear our burdens along with us and meet us at the point of our need. We pray these things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. If uh, you were anywhere around television this week, uh, you probably heard the the latest scientific news uh, of the discovery of seven uh, planets that are uh, gathered uh, around a sun that is very similar to our sun, a little bit smaller, quite a bit smaller. And the seven planets that are in orbit, of those seven planets, it is estimated that there may be three of those planets that could possibly hold or sustain life. And they are looking at those planets and, and you know, the excitement I, I, just in looking at this, it's called TRAPPIST-1 or the TRAPPIST system that we have seen. It's, I believe, 240 million or billion uh, miles away, 40, basically 40 light years away from Earth. So the, the, the chance of going there and looking to, to, to discover and to find out if there is truly life on any of these planets is probably a long way away. I don't think that in my lifetime we will actually make that. However, I never thought that I would be talking on a computer that, I, that fit in the palm of my hand either. So we do have, you know, there is a chance out there. And I, I was just f- fascinated by the story and kind of looking, but I was amazed at the number of times that NASA scientists used the word could or might or possibly in uh, in describing these uh, these planets, and so you know the question is, and, and I heard the, the television commentators this week ask the question, could we be alone in the universe, or are we alone in the universe? And I thought to myself, no, we're not alone in the universe. We're not alone in the in the universe. We're not alone outside the universe. Because our God who created the universe is with us. And that's what I want us to look at today. The idea that we have a God, a creator who is with us. We have Jesus Christ as our great high priest as we look at today. And we have the Holy Spirit, our helper, who is always with us. And uh, I wanted us to look at this passage in Hebrews in light of the passage in Matthew as the the writer of Hebrews looks at this and makes sure that we understand not only are we not alone, but we have a great high priest who is with us always and who sympathizes with us. I love this passage of Scripture as we look at this. And I want us to look at uh, this morning two views of Jesus two ways of looking at Jesus, and then what does that mean to us and what does that mean as we go forward in our lives? First of all, we have the view of Jesus as our high priest. Right out of the gate in uh, verse chapter 4, verse 14, it says, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. You know, this view, this, this idea of Jesus, this This view of of high priest, you know, the book of Hebrews was written primarily to a Jewish audience and who had an understanding of the role of high priest. For us, it's important to maybe go back to the book of Leviticus chapter 16 to look at the the role of high priest. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here with that, but if you have time, I encourage you to go back to the book of Leviticus. And I know it, it may be difficult, but Leviticus is a great book. Uh, spend some time reading it, read it over, meditate on it, look at it, because to the Jews the high priest was the highest religious authority in the land. He alone entered into the holy of holies. He alone had the opportunity, and in Leviticus 16, it, it talks about that that day of Yom Kippur, that day of atonement, when the when the high priest would would carry. The, the prayers and the sins of all the people into the Holy of Holies, he alone would go into this place uh, and come up to the altar and pray to God and lift up uh, the sins of the land, the sins of the people. And he could only do that once a year. And he had to be very cautious about how he prepared himself to do that. The high priest was also of the, uh, had to be appointed uh, as, as, uh, from the family of, of Aaron. And have the opportunity uh, in this, and you know the the high priest would would pass through the uh, the great curtain or the great veil into the holy of holies from the uh, from the holy place uh, from the courtyard into the tabernacle into the holy of holies, and he would go through. He would pass through, and I like this illustration of Jesus passing through the heavens. Two ways that Jesus passed through the heavens. Uh, number one, he passed through the heavens as he was in, in, in the incarnation, which we celebrate at Christmas. He passed through the, the heavens to, to take on the, the form of, of man, to become a, a, put on flesh and blood and live life as a man. And then he was crucified, resurrected, and as, and as he ascended back to heaven, he passed through the heavens again. So he passed through the heavens to come to us, and he passed through the heavens to go back to be at the right hand of the father where he intercedes for us constantly and what this this idea of 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 interceding for us mean well he is our he is he absorbs the wrath of God you know it's it's great to think you know not only do we have Jesus where is Jesus Jesus of course is is you know we use the phrase Jesus is in my heart Uh, Jesus is is also at the right hand of the father interceding for us and that intercession is absorbing the wrath of God, which Jesus did on the cross. If, if, you, uh, if you imagine this, and I've heard this uh, illustration given, you know, Jesus uh, absorbs that wrath and the intercession. Not just a defender, not just to kind of step in and say stop, but to intercede. And, and the idea of interceding might be uh, a couple of illustrations for this. One of the best that I've heard would be, if you imagined, uh, and just a few weeks ago, there was a, 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 a dam that was holding back water in California. Perhaps you've seen some of the pictures of that. And the dam, the, they were worried about the dam breaking. You remember that? Thank you very much. I see some heads shaking. That's good. And the danger was that the, that the spillway had overflowed and it was coming down. And you could see the pictures of just the torrent of water coming away illustration that I've heard before about what Jesus absorbed for us on the cross was if you imagine that's that dam that was in California is I believe they said it was the largest dam in the United States and uh and I'm not sure exactly how big that was but if you imagined a dam that was oh I'd say 10,000 miles high and 100 miles 100,000 miles wide And held back the the flood that would be behind that. And if that dam were to break and that torrent of water were to be coming on you. You imagine that torrent of water being the the wrath of God. Jesus on the cross absorbed all of that wrath on you and on me. To keep us from from having to, to, to take that wrath of God on the cross. He is our intercessor. And he is consistently our intercessor. And the fact that not just one time did he do that, absorb the wrath of God, but he continually does that and absorbs the wrath of God for us. He is also, not only does he forgive us of our sins, but he is also God's representative. Just like any high priest, he assures us of God's forgiveness. He is the connection between, uh, between God and man to assure us that God forgives us. And he is always on God's right hand available because he has made atonement for us once and for all for our sins. So we look at this, this confession of Jesus, uh, this idea that because Jesus has passed through the heavens, he is also the son of God that we look at. So the second uh, way that we look at Jesus in this is that he is the son of God in whom we profess our faith Uh, The translation there that we have our confession is uh, the translation in the ESV and the NIV that you have. We also have the idea that Jesus is the, uh, that we have our confession, that we make our confession. And when we're baptized, remember what we, when you're asked, when, before they put you under the water, they say, sometimes they'll say, what is your confession? And we know what is our confession. Do you know what our confession is as, as believers in Christ? What is our confession? Jesus is, Jesus is Lord. Say that with me. Jesus is Lord. That is our confession that we hold on. The idea that we hold on to the fact that Jesus is Lord is a stronghold for us. That we hold on to that. So not only is Jesus our high priest in that way, but he is also our, the son of God in whom we have put our faith and our trust in every day. Jesus is the Son of God, the Son that reflects, uh, as Jesus the Son reflects Christ's dual nature. We see here that not only does he have a human nature, but he also has a divine nature. And and a unique oneness of Jesus and the Father, the Creator, and the Redeemer. Jesus was at the creation. Keep in mind, Jesus was active at the creation before the fall. Now, what does that mean to us? That Jesus, the Son of God, was at one with the Father before the fall. Well, hang on just a second. I'll come back to that in just a minute. Push pause right there and follow along with me in just a second. We're going to come back to the fact that Jesus, the fact that Jesus was at creation, all right? But let's look at this just a second. Jesus is like us, and we think about that. We go back to the Matthew uh, Chapter Four, passage Matthew Chapter Four, verses one through eleven, and because he is like a, like us, he experienced a full range of temptations, just as any other human would experience a full range of temptations. He he can also in this verse it says he can sympathize with us and our weaknesses. Now let's think back here in Matthew chapter four real quickly. The three temptations. That, uh, that Satan tempted Jesus with. First of all, he tempted him to command the stones to become loaves of bread uh, in, in, in this way. And to meet the, the idea, the, the necessity of meeting our needs, uh, our daily needs. You know, we pray to God the Father that he would provide us or, or give us each day our daily bread. And the idea of God meeting our needs in that way. And Satan tempted him there to, to shortcut, to, to go to this. And his response was out of Deuteronomy, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So here he is like our, he, he has um, uh, the idea that he is, uh, that we, he experienced that full range of temptation, the weakness of, of wondering where our, our next meal may come from. Uh, many of us don't have to worry about that, do we? Uh, we know that where we're going after lunch or after the service to lunch or what we're going to cook or what's being uh, fixed in, in homes for us, uh, we don't have to worry about our daily bread. But our intention is to think about where are we weak in that. Have you ever had that fear? What, where would it come from? Where would, where would that, uh, that resource come from? And then we think about the fact the second temptation that he had here is to command angels for safety. How often do we pray for safety in our lives, that we are worried about having that that safety? And he says, you know, you can fall, you can jump off of the pinnacle of the temple and, you know, that uh, uh, he will command his angels concerning you and on their hands he will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. So we we have a weakness of wondering where our, our resources may come from how we will be taken care of? We have a, a weakness here in wondering about our safety. I'm amazed that uh, you know several years ago, as we were thinking about going into uh, doing mission work in Guatemala, and you know our prayers were always, "Well, let's pray for safety." And it's good to pray for safety. It's okay to pray for safety, but wouldn't it be better to pray? God, use me as we might be used for your service. And if we are to be sacrificed for your kingdom's good, then then let us be sacrificed for our king, for your kingdom's good, and what you would have to do in our lives. And then finally, the last, uh, con, uh, the last uh, temptation here is that uh, he takes him up and he shows him all the kings of the kingdoms of the world and their glory, and he said, "All of these I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me." And so this, this temptation here, this weakness that we may have is in the, the idea of having success or having, uh, having a kingdom or having our, our way, our world. We all want that. And so when we come in here today we may have these needs but we may have other needs for this. And of course Jesus looks and he said you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. You know, I think in terms, one of the things that I try to to work with my students on started last semester in, in recognizing that we really need to change our view of God, the image of God that we have. So often we think that if we are able to accomplish what we can accomplish and do it on our own, then God is just kind of there in our hip pocket. You know when we get our paychecks at the end of the at the end of the month or at the end of the weeks whenever you get paid, you know we think I did that I, I can go buy groceries i can I can write checks and pay my uh uh, pay my, for my for my electric bills, and I can go and I can uh, I can purchase whatever I need for my for my family. And then, you know, whenever we go on trips or go on things, we say, you know, we're we're, we're checking out our vehicles to make sure that we're safe, and we're doing everything that we can to make sure that we're safe. And if Jesus wants to uh, accompany us, or if God wants to accompany us on this, then it'll be okay. And I have a plan for my life to succeed in that. But what happens when things? fall short and you really realize the fact that you are in need for this well then i'll call on jesus then i'll call on god but we need to change our view of god in the way that jesus that, that that we see him and that what he has provided for us as a as a caregiver as a as one who who directs us and directs our paths and shows us in in every way what we can do it's time for us to admit our weaknesses in the, fact, in the in the face of Jesus in the confrontation. Because we can be encouraged that Jesus faced temptation without giving in to sin. But it is much more than that. He is after all the Son of God. So when we think about that, we think about all that Jesus did here. And we look at this and we look at this passage. Well we think, well Jesus was tempted in every way that we were. Yet he was without sin. Well of course he was. He was the son of God. So a lot of times what we do is we have a tendency when we see our weaknesses to think, well, I'm just a human. I'm just a human being. I remember in, uh, with, a, with my first youth ministry that, that I was uh, right out of seminary, and it was a fun youth ministry, and by that I don't mean it was fun. Um, but it was great. I had uh, some great kids there, and I remember a young man who was 12 years old who had come to know Christ, and I had the privilege of baptizing him. And uh, then I was discipling him. Discipling was a little bit harder than getting him in, in the baptistry pool. Uh, but I remember going by his house and talking about how, you know, as a disciple of Christ, there are certain things, you know, you pursue Christ, you, you pray, you, uh, you, read, you read the Bible, you, uh, you, you, you come before him and you, uh, you give back and you, um, you grow in your faith, walk, and, and you share Christ with others. And you go through all that and I could see that it was sinking in. And then it was a it was kind of a Sunday afternoon and uh, and I was at his house and his mom came in and said, Hey, you need to you need to come in and clean your room. And uh, and he was and she she said, You ought to look in his room, it's just a mess. And he, you know, he just doesn't respect me. He just doesn't clean up his room. He doesn't do this. He doesn't do this. I try to get him to help out. And she was, of course, a single mom. And, and he, was tw- he was her only son, 12 years old. And he turned and he looked at her and he said, but mom, I've got all this other stuff I've got to do that Mr. Greg's telling me that I've got to do. I'm just 12 years old. <laughs> and, and so often we are like that when it comes to Jesus. We are like but Jesus, I, you know, I, I'm weak in these ways, and I give in to temptation, and I sin, but I'm just a human. After all, you are the Son of God. See, if we take that approach of our view of God, then, then we're, we are. We're stuck in that weakness mentality. I'm just a human being. I'm just a, a lowly human being. But we, we, as we look, we think about, well, what does it mean then, after all, that he is the Son of God? Well, let's go back now to creation and think about him as our high priest and our intercessor for us. If you go back to creation before the fall, we see Jesus' divine nature. Jesus was before the fall. When Jesus walked on the earth as a human being in his human nature, he also had that divine nature that had him before the fall. So bear with me for just a second. Get this, this may get exciting. Get ready to take the ride, okay? The fact that Jesus was with God at creation before the fall with Adam and Eve. With Adam, all right? Jesus came through the fall. Now he is a human on earth after the fall facing satan's temptations here but because he had been as a divine son of god on the other side of the fall he was able to bear and 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 not sin and not carry that sin through the fall now that gets exciting because jesus is the better adam remember that jesus is the better adam not only is Jesus the better Adam because of what he did, where Adam failed, Jesus was able to stand in temptation, but Jesus is also the better Abraham because with God's covenant with Abraham, Jesus carried that and did not, and did not sin again and was able to, to, to honor everything that God did. Abraham was faithful to God, but Jesus was faithful to to everything, and he knew the law in that. So Jesus is the better Adam. If you look at that, Jesus is the better Noah. Jesus is the better Abraham. Jesus is the better Moses. Remember, Moses sinned and killed the Egyptian. And then Moses, even though he, he led the people out of Egypt, remember all the failures of Moses in that. So Jesus is a better Adam. Jesus is a better Noah. Jesus is a better Abraham. Jesus is a better Moses, a better Joshua, a better Samuel, a better David, a better Solomon. Jesus is a better Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezra, Nehemiah, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Jesus is a better Paul. Jesus is a better James. Jesus is a better Jew. Jesus is is a better Superman. Jesus is a better Batman. Jesus is a better Iron Man, Spider-Man. Jesus is a better Marvel Universe. I'm just amazed at the, at, the, at the vastness of the Marvel Universe. Jesus is better than all of them. Jesus is a, greater, is a greater illustration than any one of us. Who would we put our faith into if it wasn't for Jesus? Jesus? When we confess, when we hold our confession that Jesus is Lord and our faith is in him, then Jesus is better than anything. Anything that we might experience. I really thought I'd get an amen out of that. He is the only one who is better than all of us because he never sinned. He is the only and the greatest high priest. And he is the son of God. Augustine put it this way. Along with uh, many other early church fathers, they compared the temptation of Jesus to the testing of metal. And he said, gold may be tested... If it is gold, it will emerge as genuine gold every time. Jesus may have been severely tempted and tested, but it is impossible for him to fail the test. Every time he comes out as the Son of God, every time he comes out as a great high priest. Jesus is the only thing that you can look at that you can test, and every time he comes out as Jesus. So we look at these two images of Jesus. We look at Jesus as the great high priest and we look at Jesus as the son of God. So what does this mean for us? In verse 16, the fact that we can come, verse 16 in in Hebrews chapter, chapter 4, that it says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need in that what does this mean well it means first of all that we can approach the throne of grace with confidence i love the term that dr cox has used for the past few weeks you got to learn to embrace the grace and the only way that you can embrace the grace is to see the image of christ to see the view of christ as the sinless great high priest son of god who intercedes on our behalf and who is waiting at the mercy seat of god for us We bring our sins and our failures just as we are to receive mercy from the only one who can grant us mercy and forgive us because he is the perfect lamb of God sacrificed for us. In our dark nights of the human soul, when we are at the deepest point of our need, we can receive grace and help and know that we are not alone and know that he is there with us. So think about this, what is your greatest need today? To know him and make him known. If we have our greatest need, if we receive our greatest need to know Christ as he is and to make him known in the world in which we live. But for many of you, today you may be going through even a greater need than that. You may go through, and I I see this in the lives of our students at Anderson University all the time. The greatest need is not necessarily just to, or to know Christ and make him known, not just to, but that is their greatest need, but they don't see that as their greatest need at that moment. What I see a lot of times is I see a lot of people who are alone, who are lonely, who are lonely still. They feel like they are, in fact, alone in the universe, they feel like, I heard this past week from a student who recently left Anderson University. The student said, the reason why I left is because I felt invisible on campus. And that was like a punch in the face or a punch in the gut. The idea that, that someone would be in our midst and feel invisible. Brothers and sisters, there may be someone here today who would say, I feel invisible even in the midst of this community. I feel invisible. I'm I'm lonely. I'm hurting. Many of you probably also saw this week in the in the news and the paper, many of you were probably touched personally by the life of Bert Henderson, who was a great man at Clemson University, great part of the Clemson family. I didn't know Bert. Many people did. And everyone that I talked to about him this week said he always had a smile on his face, always had a a a sense of joy in his heart always had a way of making you the center of of the conversation you'd ask him how are you doing Bert he'd turn it around immediately and ask how you were doing so that he could then help you and serve you he knew how to serve and how to do that that in in a wonderful way and yet Bert was was hurting and nobody knew that apart from Jesus Christ and this week Bert was suffering from the loss of of his wife and other things that many people will never understand, Bert chose to take his life because he was hurting and people didn't understand and people didn't know. Bert had a great need in that moment to know that he was not alone in the universe, that he had someone that was there that was walking with him. I don't know what you go through in the dark night of the soul. So often we try to answer our own questions, we try to meet our own needs. But in those moments, we need to understand that we are not alone. It's great to be a part of a community of people who who used to be alone. In our walk with Christ, it begins with us acknowledging that He is our Lord and our Savior. And he is our, he, we are not alone in him. But there are still many people out there who feel separated from the love and mercy and grace of Christ. But here, we have found each other through the magnificent work of the Holy Spirit. And so we, we look forward to the day when Christ will come again. And we will spend eternity with him in his presence and we will never be alone again. So my question for you this morning as we look is what is your greatest need this morning? I can tell you if you have never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, if you have never come to that point where you have reached out and where you have accepted him and made the, fact, the confession of your life that Jesus is Lord, then that is your greatest need this morning. You need to do that, and I pray that the Holy Spirit would draw you in this time to come and to put your faith and trust in him. Perhaps in the midst of that, even as we are walking, you are going through a dark night of the soul, and you need your community of faith to pray for you, and you need to have someone to pray for you this morning. There are people here that long to do that, would love to pray for you. And uh, in just a moment, Brother Chase is going to be standing here at the front as we sing our hymn of invitation. And whatever your greatest need is, if that need is to come to know Christ this morning, then I pray that you, will be, that you will respond in such a way. If that need is that you need someone to pray for you, please don't leave this place without sharing your hurt and burden and allowing this wonderful staff, these wonderful friends to gather around you and pray for you. We will not just pray for you here, but we will continue to pray for you as we leave this place. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that you are such a great high priest. One who intercedes on our behalf, constantly in the presence of God our Father, our Creator. That you bore on the cross of Calvary all of our sins and the wrath of God. And that you cleanse us and that you are the only one who can give us forgiveness. But you continue to intercede through your Holy Spirit and through through the body of Christ here. To affect change in in the lives of people that we come in contact with. Lord, I I thank you also that that we see you as the Son of God. Who is there at creation. Who is the only one who who came from, from creation through the fall and can be sinless in the place to, to, to make this change for us. Lord, you are better than anyone here. You are better than any resource that might be able to meet our needs. And so, Father, you are, your desire is this morning to meet the needs of those who cry out to you. Lord, may we cry out to you. May, may those who are here Put their faith and trust in you that our confession might be Jesus Christ is Lord. Our faith is in you because of who you are. Lord, accomplish what you will in this place. Thank you, Father, for this church. Thank you for your kingdom at work in this world and for the light that shines in the darkness. We praise you, Father. Thank you that we are not alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.